Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Burke. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Selling their wares outside a major evangelical conference, the spinners got swept up in a conversation about worship music. Is all modern worship music bad? What's the antidote for so much junk? Listen to their take and then stay tuned after to find out how to get a free MP3 from the Alliance. Well, this is an exciting time for Carl and Amy and I. We are outside the Gateway Conference uh, here at Gateway Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's great to be back to my home state in Texas and finally at a great megachurch conference because megachurches know how to do a good conference, Carl and Amy. And the main reason we're here is because we think the attendees at uh, the Gateway Conference need copies of Amy's book, Housewife Theologian. And so we're we're seeking to give away copies, although I, I think I can discern that security is headed our way, so that could be uh, that could be problematic. But um, you know, I'm I'm attracted to these kinds of conferences just because of the sheer power and energy that comes out of these places. I know Carl, I know you love the same thing. You're attracted to power and uh, and the aesthetic of of evangelical power and its projection. Oh, absolutely. I think the Christian faith is clearly about, uh, if it's about anything, it's about the expression of, of raw power and triumph here on earth. And, you know, these mega churches, they've really got that down to a T. It's absolutely. one of the reasons why I so love and respect the men who, who head them up, as, as you know. Yes, yes, yes. And, and Amy, you know, we decided on your book, we figured uh, that these attendees need, uh, need something in regard to, to kind of maybe sharpening their... Uh, their theological skills, but it, it doesn't seem that security is appreciating it too much, and it seems that they're already beginning to uh, to confiscate the books. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe we could go in, attend for a while, talk to some of the attendees. But my main attraction is just the booming power of the sound system and and the music. I know, I know, Amy, you and Carl both have have run across some. Uh, some songs that uh, would probably be very appropriate for one of these uh, terrific uh, conferences. I know Carl happens to have with him his favorite uh, <laughs> hymn book. Um, Carl, I'm wondering if you could maybe even share some of the content. Yeah, it's the songbook of the Little Temperance League from 1945, I think. And there are, there are some real gems in this, but I think my favorite is the, is the hymn entitled King Solomon. And uh, if you don't mind if I oh, just read it, it's, it's three verses long, so you have to bear with me. Uh, King Solomon was very wise, and this is what he said. Look not upon the wine, the wine when it is red. And then the chorus is, look not upon the wine, look not upon the wine, look not upon the wine, the wine when it is red. That's beautiful. Second verse, (laughs) our scientists today explain why Solomon was right. Although he couldn't understand their explanations quite. Look not upon the wine, look not upon the wine, look look not upon the wine, the wine when it is red. Verse three, you may not be a scientist, you may not be a king. But you can have good common sense and daily teach and sing. Look not upon the wine, look not upon the wine, look not upon the wine, the wine when it is red. <laughs> wow, that's powerful. And wow. didn't, didn't you just want to bow down and worship as Ooh, I was reading it that? It kind I mean, of really uh, makes beautiful. me want a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thirsty. That's but, 
making me thirsty, that yeah, song. Yeah. There is one thing, though, in that song that I appreciate. Yes. And this, I make, make this point seriously. And it's that word, it's that phrase at the end, daily teach and sing. Ah. Mm. Because whoever wrote this the song, and they prefer to remain, oh no, A.G. Woodworth. If you're oh. still alive and out there, A.G., <laughs> love your stuff. Uh, there is a connection between what we sing and what we learn. Teaching yeah. and singing are connected. Both, I think, in Absolutely. terms of form and content. So that does raise a serious question mm-hmm. of, of what is it that we should be singing in church? Right. Uh, if singing and teaching, singing and learning are so closely connected, yeah. what kinds of things should we be singing, teaching yeah. in church? Well, I think Amy probably has a great suggestion. Amy, you were sharing yeah. with us earlier your favorite Well, yeah, Uh, this question of content in praise and worship songs um, was important to me in my early 20s, and I never really thought of it much before then. Grew up singing hymns in a Baptist church, and my husband and I were visiting this new church plant, and they just hired a new um, worship leader. And he was a little rock and roll and really into the contemporary stuff. And so we were already having some troubles with that. And there was a big screen behind him. And um, the words were playing on the screen with uh, different uh, pictures in the background. And so the one song that really did did us in was called Sweep Me Away. Let me read my lyrics. (laughs) Suddenly, I feel you holding me. Ah. Suddenly, I feel you holding me. Say that two more times and go to the chorus, sweep me away, sweep me away, sweep me away, sweep me away. And in the pictures in the background, you see leaves blowing in the wind. And then the next line is, suddenly I feel your hand in mine, which you will then sing three more times. And that leads you right back to the chorus, sweep me away, sweep me away, sweep me away, sweep me away. Away. <laughs> oh, wow. Carl is now holding my hand, oddly enough, oh, yeah. which is making me very uncomfortable. I just, I just want to be swept away at this point. Exactly. It's, uh, it's and, awesome. And, yeah. You know, I can't figure out, uh, you know, why uh, men don't sing in church anymore, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's a mystery, I'm sure. They probably looked upon the wine. Uh, exactly. That, that exactly. Could be the problem. So back to Carl's question and the connection he's making here. So what are we teaching in what? I mean, clearly, uh, we, we know what uh, the, uh, the, the wine song is teaching. What is, what is the song that uh, Amy just read? What is that teaching? It's teaching, uh, at best, it's teaching vacuous sentimentalism. Mm-hmm. At worst, it's almost teaching a form of eroticism, right. mm-hmm. uh, which is both of which I think are highly problematic. Right. Um, and it's this escape, escaping the world for this romantic notion of, of God who's going to come and rescue mm-hmm. us and and, es- and we're just going to escape from everything right. instead of um, sustaining us right, right now. There's, I, I mean, I guess there is theology in this, but... <laughs> it's just it's, bad theology. It's yeah. just really bad theology. And, right. and we went to the worship leader to complain about the song. What do you find troubling about this song? So many yeah. people like it. Yeah. And they did. I mean, hands yeah. were raised high and people mm-hmm. were swaying back mm-hmm. and forth with the wind and the leaves. Right. Yeah, you know, there's when I was in my days as a youth pastor and, and and the songs are still coming, but I remember distinctly lots of the praise songs that that were being geared towards young adults and youth had lots of lyrics dealing with I want to touch you, I want you to touch me, I want to feel you. These are mm-hmm. all so, lines from songs that I heard sung many times uh, when I was a youth pastor, and going to that idea of of a of a strange bordering on eroticism, um, romantic notions. Jesus is my boyfriend. Yeah. 
uh, sorts of disturbing uh, things. So, so it raises the question of what should the content of our sung praise uh, be? Uh, Carl, of course, is a closet uh, exclusive psalmist, <laughs> uh, being from uh, yeah. uh, having having done time in Scotland. Well, I go on record and say I'd be quite happy to sing nothing uh, but the Psalms and a mighty fortress and a debtor to mercy alone to the good funereal tune and for the rest of my days. That, that's all I need song-wise. I, I, I have been an elder in an exclusive psalm church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very comfortable with just singing the psalms, but I, I do enjoy the hymns as well. What I would say is that the psalms set the benchmark for what the content of worship should be. Mm-hmm. I have theological reasons now why I'm not an exclusive psalmodist, mm-hmm. but I think the emphases, the trajectories, uh, the content of the psalms really give us a very good guide to the kind of things we should be singing mm-hmm. in church. For example, thinking of what Amy's just read, the the, the verging on erotic content mm-hmm. there. The Psalms do express great love for Absolutely. God, but they never deviate or diverge or, or fall into sentimental eroticism. Right. So the Psalms would give us a pattern for being able to express love to God without it being, you know, that sounds like some sort of ghastly Beyonce <laughs> lyric or something, right. which is right. essentially what that sounds like. Yeah. To me, mm-hmm. so I would, you know, joking aside, say the psalms should be the bedrock of of Christian worship. They should be part as psalms of Christian worship, but they should also set a framework for the other things mm-hmm. that we sing in Christian worship. Yeah, yeah, and I and I would agree. I, I'm I, obviously I'm not persuaded by the exclusive psalmody hermeneutic. However, I do agree with you. Um, about uh, the the priority of psalms in that they help set the trajectory for Christian worship. The other thing they do, and I, and I, and it's captured in what you said, Carl, is that they give us a language for the whole sweep of human experience. So um, one of the things that's conspicuously missing from much of contemporary worship, not all, but much, is any sort of category for suffering or lament or uh, complaint. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Psalms do give us a language for that, and there are some some historic hymns that do as well. But much contemporary worship tends to be one note emotionally, um, which is if you are not feeling happy or triumphant, you're not given a language really in much mm-hmm. of contemporary praise. Yeah, and there's even um, content in the Psalms about the wrath of God and the coming mm-hmm. judgment. And, right. I mean, those are things that I think should be included in some of our songs right. as well. Sweep me away. Sweep me away. Mm-hmm. Which I think also, um, you know, it helps us with the hymns that we pick to sing mm-hmm. because um, I wrote down to talk about the hymn In the Garden. Right. And we've talked a little bit um, about the Jesus Calling book by Sarah Young, and I just think that that kind of theology can come straight from singing sure. in the garden. You know, right. he walks with me and he talks with me in the garden mm-hmm. alone. Yeah, and and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Mm-hmm. So it gives this, me and Jesus, and what I experience with Jesus is totally unique. It's our little thing we're doing. And a lot of that became kind of common in 19th century romantic hymn, hymnody. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we, we see those romantic influences, which was just in a lot of ways a precursor for some of the, the worst of the modern uh, chorus movement. Yeah, I think it's worth remembering, of course, that many of the great hymn writers that we celebrate today did write a, a significant proportion of garbage. 
(laughs) Wesley wrote far more hymns than are in your standard hymn book. And if you go back and look, yeah, there are reasons why a lot of his hymns are not reprinted. They're clunkers. They're they're not very good. So we need to be a little charitable, perhaps, to the present age in terms of, yeah, every age produces its garbage. Time is a great... Uh, corroder of garbage, mm-hmm. and garbage tends to vanish and doesn't get reprinted. You mean sweep me uh, away isn't going to last? <laughs> uh, we, 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 if, it's not going to be a classic? If God exists, sweep me away <laughs> will not last. I'm confident that this will yeah. be proof yeah. of God's well, existence. Well, for instance, um, Isaac Watts wrote, Here Comes Santa Claus. And so that's a perfect example of... Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, amazing <laughs> that he even used the American phrase for Father Christmas when he was <laughs> That's English. Right. That's quite stunning. Absolutely, it is stunning. But you heard it here first, uh, folks. Yeah. Um, and incidentally, does anybody know what "blaze spirit blaze" means? Hmm. What does that mean? Or flow river flow. I, I was going to say, I think it's it's a synonym for flow river okay. flow, <laughs> which is a synonym for blaze right, spirit right. blaze. Well, uh, one of the things, and here's a, another, another thing I appreciate about the good about hymns, good the, best hymns the best of our hymns, whether it's, whether it's Isaac, Isaac Watts or John Newton, or even some of the new hymns that have been written that are actually quite good content-wise, is um, they, they help to synthesize biblical doctrine. So as the Psalms have a trajectory uh, that are pointing us to Christ, the best of our Christian hymnody helps really flesh that out. I, I, I think it's appropriate for New Covenant people to be singing the name of Jesus yeah. and to be singing about the atonement. Um, so it, it's a great thing to sing, you know, and, and Can It Be, and, and some of the other great uh, hymns, which ex, ex, singing psalms exclusively uh, don't allow you to do. And, I would, and one of my pushbacks for exclusive psalmody is that there's a lot of psalms that a Mormon could sing if that makes sense. Hmm. But they can't sing holy, holy, holy. Anyway, anyway. do with do what you will with that, Carl. Argument. David Reese, if you're out there, I'm waiting for your email that I will pass on to Todd when it arrives. Just saying. That's not the only argument against exclusive psalmody, but I am saying a, a Mormon cannot sing holy, holy, holy. Maybe he could sing sweep me away. He could sing sweep me away, perhaps. <laughs> Carl is yeah. completely unpersuaded by no, my I, argument, but I, I find it quite no, I, I'm already myself. anticipating. The, the problem is I'm reasonably well connected with the Reformed Presbyterians <laughs> over here. And they will send their emails of complaint to me, <laughs> not to you. Hey, trust me, I've had dealings and, and they can be a rough crowd, so yeah, I'm if ready. You want, if you want this man's home address, I will provide <laughs> it for you. <laughs> this program is not about exclusive psalmody, so I'm sorry I brought that up. <laughs> But uh, to go back to a point we can probably all agree on. Yes. Uh, uh, when, when you learn a foreign language, quite often, one of the trendy ways of learning a foreign language is, is to, to recite phrases rhythmically, mm-hmm. sometimes to sing them. You teach kids to, a language. I remember uh, learning Latin as a, as a young child at my school. And one of the things we would do is we would chant the Latin verses to a certain rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it was easier to learn the language that way. So I think as one of the things we need to do as, as pastors and elders is understand that when people sing hymns, they're learning stuff. When they mm-hmm. sing the Psalms, they're learning the Word of God. Uh, we, we place the pulpit central. We, we tend to think of the pulpit rightly as, as a central part of worship. The proclamation of the Word is where God meets with his people in a profound and, and transformative way. But we shouldn't underestimate the way that singing can do that as well. Right. The, I, I sometimes think that people may get 
much of their theology from what they sing mm-hmm. rather than what they hear. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it imperative that we don't sing garbage. Like, right. was it sweep, Jesus sweep or... Sweep, <laughs> sweep, sorry, sweep, sweep me away. Yeah. It doesn't even mention Jesus. It's even no, worse than no, no. sweep, Jesus sweep. And if, yeah. by the way, if sweep, Jesus sweep exists, please don't send me those lyrics. I'm not interested in learning them. Uh, but it makes it imperative that we choose good songs to sing in our worship service. Mm-hmm. And also that those songs are coordinated with the rhythm of the worship service. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that not all Reformed or Evangelical people have uh, a, a dramatic structure to their worship service, but at, at my church we'll typically have call to worship, then we'll have uh, prayer for God's blessing, we'll have a confession of sin, we'll have uh, a prayer for God's people, and that provides a kind of dramatic structure to the service. And what my uh, the guy who puts together my orders of worship, I like to think of him as my content provider, because yes. it's sort of cool to think of him that way. <laughs> my content provider. Pastor of content. My pastor of content provision. <laughs> yes. uh, my pastor of content provision uh, tries to make sure that what we sing connects with the point at which we are in the service. Right. So the dramatic movement of the service, the content of the songs, and the sermon are all reinforcing right. mm-hmm. the, the points that are being made both generally in the structure of the service and specifically in the sermon. Right. Uh, yeah. I give my content provider you know, my sermon text early in the week so he can mm-hmm. think about what songs would connect right. that to the rhythm of the service. Yeah, We, we do the same thing at, at our church, and, and like you, we have a similar liturgy um, call to worship. We'll have a confession of sin, an assurance of pardon, uh, to give the service a, uh, a, a cruciform shape, so to speak. It, it rehearses the gospel, if you like. And the songs, both content-wise and in the musical mood of it, um, are, are to reflect those things. So, so if we're at the confession of sin, we're not going to sing a, a song that you would want to clap to, um, for, for instance. Uh, the, 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 the melody is going to reflect something of the sobriety right. of that moment in the service where we're going to deal with our sin. And those are important. In that way, uh, our, our hymnody uh, becomes a, a method of catechesis, mm-hmm. of, of teaching. And I think, Carl, your point earlier about what we learn about God and what we sing, it, it, I, I'm thinking about, Amy, those lyrics you read, and knowing a generation raised on things like that, where they're saying to Jesus, sweep me away, or I want to feel you, mm-hmm. this kind of thing. Um, the warmth of your embrace. Exactly. You, you can tell when you're trying to pastor people who've been weaned on that material uh, because they oftentimes have very little patience mm-hmm. for sermons that are then rich in content and, and not just and they're simply they're already swept romantic. away. I mean, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's what I appreciate about um, some of the Gettys music. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is that they definitely, they have some songs tailored for certain parts of the worship yep. service too, like a Speak O Lord. Mm-hmm. I really like the content yeah. of that song. Yeah. And, um, you know, to help prepare you to yeah. hear the word. Songs that are tailored, hymn, new hymns that are tailored for communion, mm-hmm. uh, that help teach what we are doing at the table. Right. These things are very important. Yeah, I sometimes find it confusing on the odd occasion I'll be away at a church where they don't have, they have their own liturgical structure, it's just yes. not a well thought out one. Right. They'll have the sort of 20, 25 minutes of singing one praise song after another. Mm-hmm. And often there's no connection between the praise songs, right. other than the fact the last one you sing will tend to be a little bit quieter and more peaceful and just settling people down for the sermon. Mm-hmm. But I like to, to spot the pattern in the worship service. Mm-hmm. What am I being taught? What am I singing here? Right. Because... 
We are embodied human beings. What we do with our bodies, what we do with our vocal cords, these things make a difference to how we think Mm -hmm. as Christians. One church I visited actually had a newsletter to where on Friday they would send you the songs that you would be singing on Sunday. Yeah, we yeah, do we, that. We, we do I like that. that a lot. Yep, we talk. We every member of our church gets an email on how to prepare for that coming Sunday, mm-hmm. and our 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 pastor for worship writes helpful. that absolutely tells about the songs we're going to be singing. He even because he knows what I'm going to be preaching, he'll give a little bit of summary of the right. content of the passage, and it's a great, it's a wonderful thing. Right. That's great. I mean, if you're in a small church with a five million dollar budget, I mean, you can pull that <laughs> thing off week after week. What do I do? Well, you know, it's a, yeah. <laughs> well, don't you? Well, have your pastor of content. I love uh, my pastor of content provision. Give him his full time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good, Carl. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you have that uh, yeah. available to you at, uh, at Cornerstone, um, where, where I'm sure you host yeah. uh, mega conferences and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Okay, I'm going to throw in one out of left field here okay. that's just come to me uh-uh. and could be controversial. Choirs. Mm. You Should know, you have that choirs? That is something that I've mm. thought about a lot because um, I, was, I grew up with choirs right. and then attended a PCA church where the choir seats are there, mm-hmm. but there is no choir. Right. And so I was like, where's, where's the choir? But then now it seems like choirs have been replaced by kind of praise and worship teams, bands. Yeah. bands. I would throw them into the same category. I would say mm-hmm. they're different examples of the same phenomenon. Right. I'm, I'm not a fan of choirs. I was, like you, Amy, I was raised in choirs, raised Southern Baptist, so lots of choirs, lots of emphasis on mm-hmm. choir when I was a teenager. I was a part of a, a youth choir in my home church that right. had over 200 students in it. Mm-hmm. So that was, you didn't, it, it, was, it was, it was almost vested with sacramental power. But mm-hmm. I can tell you this now, being at a PCA church without a choir and without quote special music on Sundays right. has reduced my headaches by about 75% right. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the sorts of problems and complaints and jockeying wow. for position and demands wow. for attention. That's it's interesting. Been, it's been wonderful. You, you can negotiate with a terrorist, but you can't negotiate with an organist or a choir <laughs> with the director. soloist. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I yeah I I tend to think choirs are superfluous. Mm-hmm. I think they can be helpful, perhaps, in leading the singing. Mm-hmm. I'm not so persuaded by sitting and listening to the choir sing at right. some point in the right. service. And I love well, you know, other than my rock music, I love medieval uh-huh. choir music. Yeah. And 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 I would. Again, I would agree with you from the standpoint of one of the things that I think a choir would be very, is very helpful for, is it helps ensure that the primary instrument for our praise are the voices of the people. And, and, if a, choir, and a choir is able to yeah. do that because yeah. it helps project the voices yes. all the more. It's good and to that's have, a good thing. you know, one or two or more voices to help lead. Absolutely. You, you want the, the voice of the people to be the primary instrument in our praise. Well, you see, if you're an exclusive psalm church, which I'm not, but if yes. I was, you'd have unaccompanied psalm singing led right. by a presenter, in which case mm-hmm. the only musical instrument is the voice. Mm-hmm. My experience of that has been in some churches, it's a disaster. Right. You need some strong singers, yeah. but it does generally strengthen singing right. on the whole. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, it strengthens singing. Um, I also wonder why choirs, why aren't they at the back? Mm-hmm. Same with praise bands. I mean, if you mm-hmm. if you want to make I the case that, that, these, that this is not mm-hmm. entertainment, right. that this is not a performance, stick them at the back where nobody right. can see them. Right. You can hear them. You get all the benefits, mm-hmm. but you're not seeing, you know, 
the guy with the guitar closing his eyes and going into mystical raptures as he <laughs> strums his rhythms and nobody's singing. There's, there's that sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> One right. thing I saw that I did like at a church I visited, they were off to the side, you know, it was modest. Um, they had some children there, too. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about just the best singers in the church right. leading in worship. There were, um, you know, it was only maybe five or six people, but they were all different ages. And mm-hmm. I had the feeling that it, they must change it up a lot. Did mm-hmm. they have women there as well? They had women <laughs> and, and men in and children. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the PCA church. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah, all that, all that revivalism and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, the claptrap, sure. But then, and maybe just as, as we're drawing, I guess, to a close at this point, but again, I was intrigued, and I've, I've written on this, as you know, Tan, I'm intrigued by giving those who are suffering a voice in worship. Mm-hmm. First came to my attention uh, some years ago, my, my wife had a miscarriage, and we were in a psalm singing church at the time, and I was very grateful. Yeah. Because we can go to church and we, we're singing psalms of lamentation. Right. And part of the problem with modern praise is it gets its eschatology wrong. Mm. It's all about triumph here and now, which is very easy when you're a middle class wealthy American right. with not a lot to worry about. And even, you know, even the not wealthy middle class Americans don't have a lot to worry about compared to people in, in ISIL, for example, or in most of the world. Uh, psalms of lamentation, I think, do give a more accurate account of our experience here and now relative to to what is a biblical eschatology, that yes, there is a sense in which we are dead and resurrected with Christ here and now, Colossians, but we also know there is death, real death to come and real resurrection to come. And striking that balance, that that eschatological Mm -hmm. balance in our worship is is difficult. Yeah, and and to, to not demand that every member of our congregation walking in must feel happy at that moment. And sometimes our music demands that they feel yeah, happy yeah. at the moment. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying don't have joyful songs because mm-hmm. we, we, we are called to, to be, while we grieve, yeah. to also be joyful. So that's appropriate. Yeah. But um, oftentimes the structure of our praise and the content and the, and, the, and the musical accompaniment of our praise oftentimes demands that everybody feel happy as soon yeah. as they walk in that building. And we know that's not true. Yeah, And the ghastly climax of this stuff is the funeral a celebration of life mm-hmm. which i think is yes. I, I won't go as far as say it's blasphemous but i say it certainly could be and it's death is not pa- meant to be there we're not meant to celebrate exactly death. exactly uh, that's, that's ghastly and it's pastor ghastly. it's pastorally cruel as yeah. well yeah yeah i don't know it takes away i think our ultimate hope when you're just celebrating a life that is now gone I mean, you know, of course, funerals time for grieving and for, and for realizing death shouldn't be, and this mm-hmm. is the curse. But um, it's also for pointing to the resurrection, yeah. right. and so and the fact that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding yeah. on our behalf through our grieving. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I think that it also gives us a, a better and a truer hope. Yeah, we mourn not as those without hope, but but we do mourn, and it's important that right. it's liturgically expressed mm-hmm. at such moments. Well, we'd like to thank you for joining us uh, on the Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation uh, that counts. Uh, Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. And I would like to reassure Todd that I've never walked into a worship service where he's about to preach and felt remotely happy. Uh, So we look forward to uh, uh, speaking with you next time. Thanks for joining us.
Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold to the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Now that the spin has been mortified, you can go to our website, mortificationofspin.org, to download the message, Singing Psalms, an aid to preaching from Terry Johnson. Next week, the crew takes on another controversial topic. No surprises there. What we seem to have lost in recent years is the concept of friendship. One thing that you two are getting at here is um, this whole idea of intimacy and how we've so connected it only with sexual intimacy. And everybody needs intimacy. All that and more next time. Thanks for listening. I was going to throw it in in the actual program, but I thought it was kind of a serious moment. I didn't want to burst the bubble, so I'd I'd keep it to the end. Uh Uh, Well played, (laughs) Mr. Bond. Oh, my.